0: Every life tells a story, and through that life, an even greater story is being told. Today we're going to talk to Kevin Wilson. He's one of many Voices of Faith. Voices of Faith, I'm your host, Mark Matsky, and it's my pleasure to introduce to you today Kevin Wilson. Uh, Kevin is the ministry and mission facilitator for the southern regions of the Ohio District Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, as well as church planning throughout the entire district, and has also served as a parish pastor for many years. I'm sure we will get into some of that today. Uh, But as we do, Kevin, I would just like to uh, get things started by asking, what is uh, your job description look like today? Uh, What does it mean to be a mission and ministry facilitator?
1: Well, thank you for having me, Mark. I appreciate it a great deal. My primary role is to help congregations more effectively engage in the Great Commission, I also then help new congregations form so they can also engage in God's work. Within that, there are many specific programs we work with. Some have names, transforming congregations. Some are processes, say strategic planning. But all of them ultimately get at how does a congregation engage with their own members and the people outside their church so they together know Christ and can grow in Christ.
0: Awesome. So when you say the Great Commission, unpack that a little bit for somebody who might not yeah. really know what that term's all about.
1: Yeah, the underlying reality is that God wants a personal relationship with all people. And all of us, due to our sinfulness, are separated from God. And so God's work to reach back to us, to bring us to himself the overall term is great commission because jesus gave very specific marching orders if you will to go make disciples himself He um, specified you can do that by first baptizing and then teaching and obey everything i taught you uh, really those are if you will summaries uh, the, the baptism is the ultimate point where god brings us to faith and then the rest of our life following jesus uh, that's a great deal of of staying within God's will as part of God's people until we're called to eternity. So ultimately it's about relationships and congregations participate by building relationships with one another and other people and encouraging each other towards God and in God.
0: And you're trying to help individuals within congregations grab a hold of that and actually do it.
1: Yeah. 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 yeah, either do that uh, one-on-one through, say, coaching to where I can work with an individual leader and help them develop skills, uh, develop aptitudes for participating in God's mission, or with leadership overall, a church council, a board of directors to help with the, the organization of the church. And there's ways to organize that will help you be more effective in loving your members and loving people outside the church.
0: So I have to ask, why do you want to do this?
1: Uh, yeah. I want to do it because the only thing that's really impacted me in as an adult, admittedly as a young adult in college, is God. Um, and so, uh, I was baptized as a child, uh, certainly brought to faith, believed, uh, due to the circumstances in my life, uh, some tragedies and losses, um, uh, two of my brothers died before I was seven or eight. All those things had a cumulative effect. I denied God outright and and developed or adopted another belief system, if you will, called existentialism. And so I had a belief system. I was a humanist, and I bought into it, and it took a lot of effort for God to get me back. But that point, the point of realizing that I am unconditionally accepted because of what Jesus did, was so transforming that half a lifetime away, it still motivates me on a daily basis. That's really why I'm working with churches. It's not that I love working with the church so much, is that there's other people like me out there, disconnected from God and from Christ, who, once they're in the congregation, uh, can learn of God.
0: All right, you did mention then, Kevin, uh, God working hard to get you back. (laughs) Yeah. How do you go about doing that in your life?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think part of it was God let me do my own thing, which was destructive, if you will. Um, I, like a lot of people today, was amoral. I had different morals and ethics for different relationships. So I acted one way towards parents and family, one way towards other people. That is a surefire way to unhappiness. You'll become very dissatisfied with life, and. I was allowed to go down that path. Now, I'm sure God sent people. I ignored them, had nothing to do with them. Um, as I was reaching rock bottom, personally, I was befriended by a couple of folks who I had no idea why, why they would drive me home from, from concerts. I played a lot of music at the time. They weren't the concerts. It was jazz. It was nightclubs, that kind of thing. Uh, they, they befriended me, and after a while, I finally asked why, because to be really brutally honest, we were from two different worlds. They were what back then was called metalheads. I played jazz. I mean, they were goth, early goth. They had the black and everything. Whatever reason, they were investing this time in me, and I finally asked why, and one of the guys told the story of he'd been driving his Volkswagen. He drove it under a moving semi, and he survived, and he figured there must be a God. So he figured out his sister was a Christian, so he asked her so God had got him on this path and he he knew this much that if you're a Christian you're supposed to care about other people. And especially people who are lost and losers. I guess I qualified for lost and loser. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm, you know read between the lines, right? You no, know? I mean, yeah. You're like, what do you do with this? So um, we started to spend time together to hang out and try to process these things that were happening to us and and both of us, actually all three of us, had Christian background. We had heard, we'd been in church or we had heard the gospel in Sunday school. And it's not like we were totally foreign, but faith was a different thing. And that the faith is this trusting in God. No. And so through our conversations, uh, over time, we started to read the Bible. Crazy idea. And, and sometimes got confused, sometimes got reassured. And there was a point in July of the year, my freshman year in college, where I finally said, Lord, if you're real, I got to know. And and faith was given again. And I definitely give God all the credit for it because it's not logical or rational that I believe. It wasn't a big emotional thing, no warm, fuzzy. (laughs) It's just faith. It's like, yeah, trust. Okay. And, And that was pretty much it. And then within... Well, three or four months, we tried to go to church. So all this happened apart from the congregation.
0: Wow. And largely through someone reaching out to you yeah, so and an encounter with the Word of God.
1: It was someone who invested or cared for me when they didn't have to, even before they understood fully what they had gotten into. And, and then there, the Word of God is brought in. But we had already heard the Word. It's not you know, God had the tools to work with. Faith comes by hearing. We had heard. We just had, in a biblical term, hardened hearts. That's what it was. There's no other way to really get around it. So God took care of that.
0: As you were then growing in faith, what were some experiences that you had that, uh, you know, either way, you know, positive, negative, that were like a landmark for you on your walk?
1: We had to find a church, and it wasn't easy. Now, in all fairness, we're young adults wearing ripped-up jeans. I had alternating green or bronze hair. That's all we owned. Uh, we tried a couple churches. Are there pictures that exist <sighs> you know, of that I, era? <laughs> I am told. I am told, yes. Oh, wow. There's a handful of pictures, not even a handful. Um, there is a – one of the first people to disciple me – as a believer, was a youth leader at my parents' church. He claims he still has a couple of those. Now there are other pictures, you know, seminary pictures of my hair down to my shoulders. Which now that I'm bald, we're really entertaining. But uh, <laughs> yeah, there's some some footage of early days, but not a lot. Um, we got uninvited from the first couple churches we went to. Uh, oh, we wow. just didn't fit in. It's mm-hmm. hard for a church a well-established mainline church. And I'd get, look, we were standing in the back. We were uncomfortable sitting. We were, we looked, we smelled different. You know, it, it, we got an invite. Mm-hmm. And so we stopped at the church. Even though you know, we had some options, we stopped. And finally, uh, my buddy found a church that would accept anybody. Uh, Calvary Chapel, one of their branches, were really probably designed for guys like us. And so we worked Calvary for a year. We studied the Bible with them. And after a while, went, hey, the stuff you're teaching about the end times, that's not actually in the Bible. We may not be theologians, but that ain't in there. And yeah. so we found another church. Okay. And I, for the next nine months, I made the worst charismatic in the world. Okay. And yeah. so we left that. Okay. Um, that was the story of kind of bouncing around. Now, looking back, and certainly as a parish pastor, Oh, hugely advantageous because we'd have people visit our church. Our members would bring folks who were unchurched, who had a different background. Mm-hmm. And I could sit there and converse and say, okay, you use a term like this, washed in the blood. Here from a Lutheran perspective, all right, we're talking about that. When we say grace, we're talking about God forgiving sins. You have this visual around it. And to build it, so it really God put it to use. Mm-hmm. It just took a while to wind my way back to Lutheran. and my mother is uh, as we said, Lutheran, so that it took a while mm-hmm. to get there.
0: Yeah. Well, and it, I think obviously it would give you a sensitivity towards somebody who's coming in with yeah. a discrete vocabulary or no vocabulary at all yeah. who's looking for answers from Scripture yeah. and just a sensitivity to what it's like to walk into a church, which is sort of a peculiar context. And how to make them feel like um, they're not a fish out of water. Yeah. Uh, there's an art to that, really—an organic art to that. There is,
1: and it, it helps to model it. To uh, by nature, because of personal experience, automatically go shake the hand of someone who looks different coming into church. But it only goes so far, though. Too, I mean, members have to really embrace, or you know, it's got to be a both and. We all mm-hmm. have to come together on it. And, and I see it as broadening um, who we accept through the doors and to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, and absolutely, as Christians, you learn, I learned not to try to have green hair and go to church. You know, now, Calvary, we could. Uh, we learn over time how to behave, but you need time. And you need that to be motivated by God's grace and not simply some law that the church says you must judge this way or you're not acceptable to God. hmm
0: so in showing that hospitality to the visitor, what were some of your most joyful experiences when you were serving in the yeah, parish ministry?
1: The first church I served was a community in Loveworth, Kansas, with four maximum security prisons and another to medium security and a detention center for youth, So, as well as a major military base. So we had a wide variety of people hanging around our little town. There is a point, probably six, seven years into the call, when a man came into the service late, and I mean 15 minutes late, long hair, he definitely had prison tattoos. It's hard to miss them on hands and forearms. Mm -hmm. He comes walking in, and like many Lutheran churches, we had filled up the sanctuary from the back going forward, it also was a baptism day I and mean, there was literally only room. There was no room. Was no room. As he keeps walking in trying to find a seat. And I'm like, he finally sits on the floor near the front. There's nowhere else to go. And, I, yeah. and I'm like, okay. And I start to go to him and one of the patriarchs of the church gets up. A man who was intimidating in physical form and known for making sure that the law was properly preached. Mm-hmm. And now I'm thinking, great, I get to be a bouncer for Christ in a worship service. <laughs> and Art gets up and walks to him and sits down with him with a hymnal on the floor. Wow. And then someone moves they and makes some room, and they get up and sit in the first pew together and he leads him through the rest of the worship service. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I got to visit this man Within two weeks, he left information. Turns out he lived 90 feet from the church's front door. Hmm. I met him and his girlfriend and, and her two children. And I'm like, what led you to go to church? And he said, I started reading this, I got a Bible out and he goes, you can't read this more than a month and not figure out God wants you in community. And he goes, so I just had to get my courage up and walk in. And hopefully I can get these people in there too. <laughs>
0: That's phenomenal. Really?
1: I'm like, wow. Okay, you got it, dude. I mean, mm -hmm. would you like to teach something? Mm -hmm. Um, So that was a very good illustration, I think, of of acceptance for someone coming in and having an opportunity, if they wanted to, to stay. Mm
0: -hmm. Where were some of the biggest tests that you faced in the congregation? And and how did God contribute in Christ to walking with you through those?
1: we started as a, a highly conflicted church and those were more some other people. Um, I was assistant to the pastor and within a year our senior pastor resigned from ministry the fifth consecutive called worker to resign from ministry. Uh, God resolved this once again through my ignorance. I had no idea the trouble I was in and so I got some guidance and a couple of wise pastors told me to go work hard, go love God's people just keep it simple. Just go love God's people. We I mean, trained members and the leadership that remained. A lot of leaders left. But those who remained, we trained in how to help people grieve. For a couple years, literally, we have these elders sitting down asking questions to help people get the stuff out of the system. Mm-hmm. And on one hand, I'm making it sound really simple because it was process wise. Uh, but it really, once God got it turned around, use that experience to replace leaders and lead a lot of change. It was really cool. Yeah,
0: Well, that takes a lot of emotional energy, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. A process like that.
1: Yeah. Um, but the second, and definitely the most important one, uh, I came into the workforce as a journalist to begin with, a five-year career if you can't, working full time in college, and experienced some burnout. I went to the seminary, looking for a master's degree not to become a pastor. Mm -hmm. God led me to become a pastor. And we got married right before our vicarage year, so three years into the experience in the seminary. I walked into the parish and did the same thing I did as a journalist. Uh, Work was my idol, Mm -hmm. the drivenness. And so uh, the biggest thing God did was break me in that to get my relationship with my wife to the point where either I changed or we were done. That's just how it was. And, and what happened I mean different ways God works then. Had a next door neighbor, military guy, in town for a year. We got along really well. I invited him to church, he wouldn't come. Finally at the very end, over the in the backyard, talking over the fence like you do with your bud, you know. Mm-hmm. He's like he goes, I but you're wondering why we never came to your church. I said, Yes, I am wondering why. We get along so well. And it's only for like ten months, you know. He goes, you know, I watch how you work. I'm in the military. Uh, If that's what you're going to teach my children, how to work, like, all the time, I really don't need that. So that kind of thing kept coming up. And it was just so convicting that God finally got through to me. And it takes that kind of pain, I think, for major change. Mm -hmm. But it's not, I'm sure not a coincidence that that God getting me to repent and truly be a father and husband as well as a pastor and then to be focused on him and that relationship above all this other stuff. Uh, the congregation's growth numerically and spiritually was tied to the fact that God had to grow me up first. Mm-hmm. So that was a challenge that um, I'm understating itself. It was, it was tough. Yeah, uh, But as far as grace goes and the, the sustainability of God's grace that you are forgiven, mm-hmm. And Okay, you we're know, falling back into the old habits there. Stop. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's a powerful thing. If it I was is. all along, I would not be ordained today. I'm not be a pastor today. I, mean, mm-hmm. I wouldn't
0: be. Yeah. You know, the thing that's so fascinating about that to me is that the message that's sent to us from the time that we're just small is that to make something work and grow, whether it's a business or a congregation or anything, you have to work harder than you are right now. And then you'll see results. But the lesson that you're talking about is is really a reversal of that—that uh, that the growth lies not in working harder or being more dedicated, which I think most pastors that I've met absolutely want to make it work and would do just about anything to make it work. But they can that can drive them to the point of burnout and yeah. family in jeopardy and all that sort of thing. So growth as as a pastor. Can sometimes mean learning how to involve other people in uh, the work of ministry it,
1: it's crazy to think that for 3 or 4 years I thought that seeing an increase of 4 average 4 in attendance for worship was really great because we were growing and the financial part increasing by 2% so it came up from 290 to 298 in worship That was a really big deal just working constantly just pushing mm-hmm. Repent of it, literally I'm off thirty six straight hours unless someone was dying. All right. This kind of hard lines where elders held me accountable. They talked to had permission to ask my wife, did he really was he really available at home? Did he take the time off? Took all those steps, learned new hobbies, spent time coaching the kids. Um, by the time we leave, there's five hundred worship. Yeah, I worked less. I truly did work less. But it was only on the other hand in some ways, as pastors, we're working 24 seven, whether we like it or not. Discipleship is not just preaching a sermon or baptizing. It's also the way we model the faith when we interact with our family. So really, I think everything that was going on, the modeling of the faith was what brought people who were saying, we want a change in life. We see that something's happened in your life. Well, God can do that for me too. Mm-hmm. But they were seeing it first and they were seeing it at the ballpark and they were seeing it in other places so there's something about that the concept of discipleship is more than a small group, it's more than a worship service, that is part of your lifestyle that did have an impact mm-hmm. and, and I I liked coaching the kids it turned out it was good
0: yeah transitioning to the present day you know you've shared a lot and I appreciate that about how God has grown you in the past, what's he doing for you right now?
1: Yeah. At this very moment, he's trying to help me get upside up, uh, schedule wise, with family and our high district and our work here. Um, and that seems to be the primary thing that's going on. Um, we now have children who are you know, adults. We have 20 year olds, our daughter's 18. And so part of what God's doing is teaching me how to be a father in a different stage of life. And that's an interesting thing, I didn't, I thought, you know, you figure out parenting, and you know how to parent, we learned how to ask questions, give options, all those things. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a little different. Now we got to learn again, and we're 18 hours from the nearest family, so I count on our, our home church now, and I go to a couple of the men who have, um, are empty nesters, and I, and I respect the way their children are, they interact with their kids, and, and talking to them about it. And what do you do? How many questions do you ask? I mean do, and it's, so that's like a big piece of what that's going to be personally.
0: Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. So with all the work that you do and all the churches that you partner with and oversee, what's, well, I'll ask the question this way. What is the message that you are trying to send to people through those churches? What opportunities have you had personally even in the position that you're in now to sit down with somebody and uh, just share the hope yeah. that you have?
1: Yeah. Um, congregation-wise, part of what I can do is help redefine reality. And reality is set. I'm not trying to place do cycle battle there. But within the church... We lag behind understanding where the culture is going or where it's at right now. And so one of the gifts I can bring as someone who's coming from the outside but also fully engaged the church is to ask questions and help church leaders start to figure out, for one thing, people have stopped coming to church. We were so blessed in the 90s to have, in the early 2000s, to have seeker worship services. Well, why did we have those? Well, because people were looking for a church. They were seeking. Mm-hmm. Guess what? Man, you're 35 and under. It's not happening. They've stopped seeking So I can help congregations see that. I can put them in contact with other churches. I can tell stories. I can, we have enough trust to listen and talk about the fact that, hey, things have changed and, and it's more about going out to people. And definitely it's more about, about how we live our daily lives in Christ and And drawing back on some of those resources that that Lutherans have. We've had Luther's morning and evening prayers for a long time. Um, That's tied into seeing ourselves living out being part of the priesthood of all believers. Mm -hmm. And that's, in modern parlance, being incarnational Our mission. we already had it. It's rediscovering what was there before. So I can do that within congregations. And then individually, it just depends on where I'm traveling. I will intentionally I still wear something that's hopefully creates some curiosity whether it's a shirt that does have a cross or a different kind of cross or or jewelry that's a little different Um, and just to get conversations going Mm -hmm. uh, most recently I've had a chance to to talk through why uh, a story restaurant manager is not going to a church and Kind of walk through with them over a 30 minute period of time, a very small afternoon for him, and I'm just sitting there drinking a soft drink, <laughs> you know, just to be able to talk through. So, why is it you're not going? Mm-hmm. You got three, two kids and they're young, and you were baptized as an infant. So, they're popping up where they're at. Uh, the second is I still have two in school. I got a senior in high school, an eighth grader, plenty of parents to bump into and they're they're trying to figure out where to put me where to slot me and understand and it's Mm -hmm. hard to do Mm -hmm. because I'm like well you're a pastor but you don't serve a church you're a facilitator but that really sounds like more of a pastor but I've recently uh, gone to uh, the soccer players one of their senior photos in a special way that, that wasn't provided by whoever shoots senior photos so I went and spent two hours gathering soccer players, taking the photos, talking to parents. In that period of time, I had three people greet me as pastor. One person greeted me as Reverend Doctor. One person greeted me as uh, Mr. Swags Wilson, a friend of our daughter. <laughs> she has fun with me. It's so great yeah. to hear. Yeah. I was called Kevin twice and Mackenzie's dad three times. Mm-hmm. All these different, because no one knows where you fit. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a downside in some ways, because people are willing to Standing back, on the other hand, now they're curious. And now I can say, well, what do you do? Well, I help congregations, um, you know, help other people into a relationship with God. God works through it. I'm you know, trying to help them do it better. Mm-hmm. Oh, relationship. Okay, well, what do you mean relationship with God? I mean, you can really relate to God. He just some higher power up there. So it does work as a positive that way, locally.
0: Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, listen, I think we could fill another show with conversation pretty easily because there's so much uh, to talk about with you. And I, I appreciate what you have shared today. And I think it'll be a blessing to our listeners. And speaking of our listeners, I would like to give you the opportunity, if you'd like to contact us here at Voices of Faith for any reason, uh, you can write us at, faithpodcast at outlook.com. Again, that's faithpodcast at outlook.com. Thank you very much, Kevin, once again for joining us today. Thank you for listening to Voices of Faith. And remember, weeping may remain for a night, but joy comes in the morning.